0: What's up? Happy Festivus!
1: Happy Festivus! We're here again. Yes. How many years have we been doing this now?
0: Three.
1: I mean, three on the podcast. Oh, like well, twenty in shared. real life. <laughs>
0: right, and then to be fair, I share grievances all year round. I don't, I don't just hold them for for Festivus, but uh, we'll we'll go with that for this yeah. podcast. Episode. In
1: fact, I think not so long ago we did a, a mini grievance episode. Like we couldn't quite wait.
0: Yeah, it's like Christmas in July. Yeah, that's you're right. I think it was in the summer. It's okay if you do it in July.
1: Yeah, but this is the first year that we invited some very special guests on. I often refer to them as our podcast cousins because we've had them on our show a few times. We've had the honor of being on their podcast, which is called We Need to Be Doing That. And we are, of course, talking about the infamous trio of... Keith Steckler, Jonah Ballow, and Elliot Gerard.
0: While you're listening to this, if you have any grievances from 2021, don't forget to hit us up on uh, our socials at pod for creatives uh, We'd love to hear them and interact with you guys there. But in the meantime, sit back, enjoy the conversation. Happy Festivus. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Steve. And this is a podcast for creatives. Two friends talking about the complex, messy, and beautiful experience that is being a creative.
2: What do you uh-huh. believe has been your inability to join a meeting correctly, Elliot? Like all year?
1: Is this your first official grievance, Keith?
2: No, this is my half grievance. My full is, I hope, better, but. This is just a warm up. Because we thought <laughs> it was Google Meet this entire time, and here's the big reveal. It's also Skype. It's every other <laughs> platform.
3: So like, it's a good way to start, right? It's a good way to what start, is
2: going right? on?
4: All these platforms. We still haven't really figured out the one that works, yeah. right? Zoom, Skype, Microsoft, Teams, yep. Like, it's pretty amazing. We're years into this pandemic and we're all relying on these things. And, you know, for us as a Heartland group, we rely on doing remote shoots. We've done actual remote shoots where we're recording people on Zoom. And I'd like to have a quality piece of video content. And it's just, you know, it's so dependent on the internet. And it's it's pretty shocking that with all the advances in technology and the things that we can do, because I mean it's pretty amazing. I, I try not to complain too much about technology because it's incredible what we can do, but uh, the video latency and, and utilizing the internet for video calls or recording is just not caught up to what you know the users need at this point.
3: Yeah, I mean the other day I, I had to I was on a call and I and I didn't want to embarrass myself, so I jumped on both the phone and on the and the video like you we shouldn't have to do that now it is 2021 and you know i shouldn't have to worry about being embarrassed uh
0: besides
3: (laughs) embarrassing myself
0: a new year ain't gonna fix that yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's a separate issue felt like this moment was made was made for skype like the like skype was there pre-pandemic and then everything hit Zoom kind of rushed to the head of the class and left Skype in its dust. And it's like, this is your moment. Like, if you were looking for the moment, it just passed you by.
4: Do you think it's a name recognition thing, too? Like, a marketing, ver- you know, like people are just here, Zoom, and Zoom is the thing. So that's what they use. Cause they're all essentially the same in terms of like the free version of it, right? Where you can record for a certain amount of time. I, I believe so. I mean, we haven't used Teams since we were back at the agency, but I, yeah. I believe they're all pretty much the same.
1: How is it that Zoom won this thing, yet its recording <laughs> capabilities are so awful, hence we're not using it tonight to record? I don't know. Who's the judge of these things? I it is a name of recognition.
4: I, I think it's just, yeah, a name thing that it became, You, I didn't even really see the market until a little bit later into the pandemic, and we started to see those commercials, but I, I don't know. I really don't it's going to be fascinating to go back and look, I mean, and see, you know, I would I'd also love to hear the people who work for these platforms. And we're like, Oh, my God, we just missed <laughs> enormous opportunity.
1: Well, I think that there is still much opportunity for quality recording. I mean, Skype gets the job done for us. We do use an external recorder called Ecamm to record our show. And we're pretty happy with it with, with the updates anyway, since we started first started recording, but There's still so much more that can be done. And it seems like one of those things, like, why is this not possible with the technology that we have?
4: Yeah. And we even see, like, I don't know if you guys watch the Manning cast on ESPN for Monday Night Football, which has been tremendous. I'm a huge fan of what they've done. But when they bring on the guests, they can't get the delay right. So they're always kind of stuttering or talking over each other. And it, it stilts a conversation a natural conversation that could take place and you would think of all of the companies out there in the world (laughs) espn would figure some way to work out the delay situation i don't think eli and peyton have it as much because i think they're probably on a hard line connection to each other but the guests are on their AirPods or whatever and they probably want to make it easier for them to jump on but boy, you have these A-list guests coming on and it just totally ruined, especially you have like a Kevin Harder, David Letterman, they're trying to land a joke and then Eli's (laughs) stepping on top of it and it's just a mess.
0: Yeah. They had Letterman on in the most recent the most recent game from the night we're recording and he doesn't do a lot of public appearances. I mean, he doesn't do a lot of interviews. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's like a holy grail moment. And I mean, I i lingered in that for, of some some bad football on that first half to like, well, bad weather. I don't know if it's fair to call it bad football, but um for that interview. And it was like start, stop, start, stop, because he came on right before the two minute warning. So the timing of it was off. But then factoring in just the delays and the audio the audio issues, it was a mess. It
4: was a mess. Yeah, it's almost like what's the point just have the two guys, Eli and Payton, yeah. go for it. But you talk about things changing too is a lot on those pregame shows, they're now recording the talent talking to the laptop via Zoom to the guests. But you have legit cameras in both sides, but they're showing the angle of them talking – to each other over the laptop. So it's we're, this might be the norm now, like the, the, either the viewers expecting it or that we have to some in some way timestamp this moment that this is why this person, the talent is not joining the guest live in an interview session. It's very odd.
2: It's wild that these shows, even the morning shows, I mean, every morning they have the same people. Most of them are at home now. And you tune in, and it's as if COVID just happened. You know, like, why have they not made any improvements to any of this? Or what? And maybe the answer is there's no, uh, there's no way to fix it. But I don't understand why they haven't said, you know what, this is just not. Especially some of these sports ones where there's five people, and you just can't get a word in edgewise, and nobody...
4: I mean, like, on up, right? like on Get Up, right? Like yeah, CBS, yeah, exactly. They have the five box and one guy's on his airplane. It's the same thing. There's they just can't get the connection right. I
3: yeah. just don't what it's I don't hard. understand is that they can do it for the anchors. Like they were able to do it for the anchors and people. They put off. They put things in their their homes and stuff like that. So why can't you do it for the guests? I mean, if you if you're a big eight, uh, media company and you have a shitload of money, if you have a guest, put a fucking uh, set them up set them up like it doesn't make sense they shouldn't be on a skype camera they should be on a real legit thing it's weird
0: you feel like the attitude is about like well we're all going we're all going through changes or we're all you know dealing with these these um, imperfections in everyday life so the attitude of these companies is also well the audience understands because they're dealing with it too so what's the difference but it feels like we turn to them for things that aren't necessarily the problems that we're living with so like you feel like your expectations of them should be higher.
3: Yeah, I do.
4: Exactly. exactly. It's also weird too with show. Yes, I, I totally agree with you on that. And also like shows, it's almost going to be this weird, it, assuming we eventually get out of this thing and you go back and it'll be almost like in the archives, you'll see like TV shows addressing the pandemic or wearing masks, um, you know, a project that we've worked on recently like we didn't show foot. We can't show footage without the people in it wearing the masks, so that the viewer doesn't think that organization was breaking some sort of not law, but right. The, the protocols. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, there's a lot to navigate within this, you know, it's the perspective of the viewer, the perspective of that organization and that they're essentially following the right protocols and, and how it all, but I think you're right. Like, I think you know there's a there's a level down that people are just okay with the quality not being as high but it probably still should be at this point and there should be workarounds for it
3: that um what you just said about uh we're all in this together that fucking irks me because (laughs) that is total bullshit that's coming in hot there
0: we go we're off and running (laughs) yeah
3: (laughs) no because it's like you know and and uh we were talking about morning shows and like, I watched the the morning show the 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 TV show and I actually really like it, but like, I don't know. I feel like they should have ignored COVID and they like, they like, they were like, Oh, no one else is doing it. And they did. They really like dove into it, but I feel like they didn't have a perspective on what all these other people are going through. So it was like a famous person playing a famous person, um, dealing with COVID and it's like that's not what most people had like and, and it's like it's not something I wanted to watch like a famous person complaining about COVID when they weren't having the issues that most people had and and it's it, it's, it's annoying to me because it's like I actually like that show and I, I like the first season and I wanted to like the second season but like I'm just like dude we, there's two totally different worlds from, from COVID you know like and I don't think people realize that and I think It's that's annoying to me that oh these media companies should be like oh they understand you know we're all in it together it's like no we're not
0: (laughs) it is strange to um to see uh entertainment that is talking about something that is still so fresh and raw like consuming entertainment that isn't about something that took place a decade ago or longer that seems more like normal for us i don't know if there's been many you know there's probably been some content or or some some um you know whether it's movies or whatnot based you know around 9-11 or certain things but like even that had its historical reference point like we're still like in the throes of this so it's very weird to see shows doing things about something that we're not even like out of yet that we don't necessarily know where it's going. It feels new. It doesn't feel like it's something like, you know, you're seeing, um, you know, um, uh, movies about, um, the Vietnam war, but that came out in the mid eighties, like, you know, where, where it had been over for a decade plus, and you can kind of digest where that, it just seems very, um, new to, to me.
3: We haven't seen how we've landed from this yet. Cause we have landed
1: and it does seem like people really rushed into including these storylines on TV shows and know I'm like in the publishing side of things like people are writing books about it and steve's right like i can't think of of other major events where people moved so quickly like a, i always think about 911 and i remember like when those first movies came out about 911 it wasn't like in 2000 too. It was it was like 10 years later. And and even when that happened, it still felt like it was like, oh, it's too soon. And like, I remember saying, like, I, I can't see these movies. It still feels too real.
4: It is a reflection of where we are at, though, as um, a society and in, in the desperate need for content um, and quickly. Right. I mean, everybody talks about Tiger King when it came out last dance and the things that they felt were like a great sort of you know, um, piece of content that took away from all the coverage of of COVID and and the fears that were going on about it. But it's if you watch a show, I guess, like Billions did the same thing that they they weaved in sort of the COVID storyline, because if you're watching that, and it's supposed to be kind of a real time show not happening at the moment, but like, if you don't address it, I'm sure there's a section of people are saying, well, this isn't real, like, they're not even having to do the same things that we're having to do. So, I guess it could land on both sides if I looked at it objectively.
2: Can I tell you the most unrealistic part of that show that's only going to land for the three of us, New York, Connecticut people here, is how fast they get from oh, totally. Westport
4: to New York <laughs> City. There
3: <is> <laughs> there's never no traffic. traffic. There's, there's never no traffic.
4: Way. Well, he's got a, He does have the movie. helicopter.
2: But, but I'm talking to all the other people. One scene, they're in the office. The next minute, they're in their brownstone. It's like there's no way and they
4: never run into like homeless people or you know guys getting drunk in the lower east side like it's just it's it's easy easy in new york city yeah that's for sure it's definitely not factual
1: i think that's true of all major cities that are portrayed in movies because steve knows this when i went to paris i came back and i was like i cannot believe what i saw and what i smelled when i was there because it was not baguettes and just you know sparkles and it's champagne everywhere it was-, it was like oh yeah it's a it's like a real city that faces the same issues that every city faces and it was just not what i was expecting <laughs> yeah
4: that's a great segue because i was just in paris and one of my grievances is going to be about technology and on one side with europe and the app that they use where you have to ha- upload all your documents and they're using QR codes, which is, I told these guys, I think one of the more underrated uh, technologies along with AirDrop, which is amazing. I still can't figure it out, but that the QR codes, right? So they instantly can scan you every time you walk into a restaurant, every time you—if you go in the Louvre, whatever it is, they're going to scan you. And then when you get your test, it's automatically uploaded. I don't have to carry around the document. You don't have to worry about fake documents or vaccine cards. And it just keeps everything simple. And also I would assume that it's much easier to contract trace. So it's just, I, the whole thing makes sense. And I can't believe we have a physical card that has a written, like the pen on, <laughs> on mine. It's like it's washed off. Like, yeah. what are we doing? Like, <laughs> We have the most advanced technologies in the world and these phones that can do anything. And in America, we haven't figured that part out. But I think Europe has, especially because there's so much traveling in between. But to me, that was like, I don't know what we're doing here. It's crazy.
1: So we started something new. I'm usually going to you with ideas. So I think I was so excited that I barely listened to what you said. And I was like, you know what? Sure, let's do it
0: could have said anything right there at that point in time couldn't i michelle and i grew up in the 90s and we've noticed i think over the years that a lot of the uh, references that we end up dropping in our podcast end up coming from that period in our childhood we were a tv generation so we remember a lot of these offbeat commercials and a lot of these things that um, were a part of our childhood and i thought it would be fun to kind of like look back at them we don't really watch commercials anymore in in this day and age. You know, ads are usually something that we're doing anything that we could possibly do to skip over. Funny commercials or, or commercials at memorable jingles have stayed with us over the years. Uh, and this platform, this this commercial breakdown show, gave us the opportunity to bring some of them back and you know relive a few of these moments with with all of you and you know reflect fondly on them.
1: So if you get a chance go into one of our pod for creative social profiles or go to our website and look for Commercial Breakdown, which is the name of our show. I time this. It takes literally four seconds of your time. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that thumbs up button if you have a friend or a sibling or someone um, that you remember talking to about the commercials that, that we're showcasing. Certainly anywhere where you can share it, we would really appreciate it. I have a, I have a story and I feel like this kind of is in line with what we were talking about when we were talking about like networks and like these people, you know, the United States who have seemingly all the resources yet we can't get our act together and the preface for this is that my aunt was visiting us a couple weeks ago and she told me the story that blew my mind granted this was in the 80s but she's a really big 49ers fan and she wrote a letter to the owner of the 49ers do you guys know who that was in the 80s DeBartolo? yes yeah. good job
2: good one <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she wrote him a letter And his secretary wrote her a letter back that said, now my aunt lives in New York. It said, if you ever come to San Francisco, call us at this number and let us know. So she and my uncle planned a trip. She called and they gave them a pair of tickets, like 50-yard line, great seats. And um, she wrote them a thank you note. And they were back and said, so glad you enjoyed yourself. I don't know if it was like keep in touch or whatever. But anyway, my aunt kept in touch because um, when she knew that San Francisco was playing in New York, she called them up again and said, hey, it's really lonely being a San Francisco fan in New York. Um, We would love another set of tickets. And they sent them another set of tickets. And then years later, when San Francisco was playing in Philadelphia, she had like a a family friend, uh, her friend's kid was also she like converted him into be a, being a 49ers fan, and she said, "Listen, we know you're going to be in uh, playing in Philly. Um, this little kid is is a big fan, and they sent them five tickets so they could all go. And you know that that was the last instance of it. But my grievance that like, granted, yeah, I was
0: wondering where this is going. No, so like is, positive, that right? all
1: sounds really great, right? how do we get from that to like, it's acceptable to just not respond to messages? And this is like more of a, under the umbrella of ghosting, but I feel like it has just become perfectly acceptable in society to not respond to messages. I remember even like three years ago, you would tag a brand, they would like repost it send you like a thank you dm you would get new followers from it and like now it's just you don't get acknowledgement
4: i think keith and i have a similar one to that it's even worse when you answer and respond quickly and with thought and time and you don't get a response back
1: jonah you Um. just nailed it it's the thoughtfulness that like that is, this is my giant grievance of this year because I feel like I'm coming from a little bit of a like a wounded place because my husband spent the whole year like trying to get a new job after getting let go during COVID, which he did, thankfully mm-hmm. for celebrating oh, that. But um, yes. between watching him go through the job process of like, you know, a lot of times getting to like the end and like doing assignments for them and like, you know, meeting with the CEO and then just like, not even like an acknowledgement that they ended up hiring someone else. How do you not have a canned message for that? It seems so simple. And also me going through trying to pitch my book and I totally get it. I'm gonna cut influencers slack. I know they get so many DMs, that's like impossible to keep track of all of it. But I guess my bigger complaint is that it's gotten this bad that like we don't have a system for managing it. And I also like want to extend grace to the people on the other ends of these things who are just so overwhelmed by the volume. We, we need some kind of
2: solution. I'm a big proponent now of telling people what the salary of the job's going to be up front. What about that ladder that your husband had to climb all these multiple interviews, and then you get to the end and you find out, oh, that's, that's not what I was expecting it to be we could save ourselves so much more time if you just tell me what salary is going to be why, <laughs> why do you think so- the
4: song and dance exists i mean i i really we there's weird stigma around money i don't know if it's just this country or just yeah. in general but it's just everybody's so like i don't i can't tell you what i make i don't want you know and it's like maybe it would cause a lot of issues in the office if you knew you know sally was making you know 10 grand more than you and you're doing the same job and all that but to me and maybe i just err on the side of more transparency across the board being honest you'll get to a better place at the end it might be dirty but maybe you need to figure out figure out why Sally's making more than you i just don't know why the stigma with money is just so weird people never want to talk about it it's you know we can't say what the salary is you know if we're we're you know bidding for a project or we're trying to work with a client they don't want to tell us they don't have a number and then we tell them what the number is and they say oh that's that's out of our budget so then you did have a number Why are we doing this whole song and dance? Like, we've wasted weeks, sometimes months, going back and forth on this when we could just figure it out. It's not going to work. We need to get more for this project than you have. And that's as simple as it is.
2: Yeah. It's perfect. That was my grievance, by the way, was the what's your budget? We don't have a budget. Here's the number. That's too high. So you did have a budget. (laughs) Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, I think, look, we've gotten a little bit better in, in the 16 months that, you know, we've been at Heartland and early on, we would do the whole dance. And now it's like, what's the budget? We don't have one. You do. And if there really isn't a response to that, we're, we're done. Like there, I just don't get it because play it out. I mean, if, if your budget's 5,000, do you really think we're going to come in at four and wow, you saved yourself a thousand dollars. Just tell us you have $5,000. If you're working with someone whose ultimate goal, is to rip you off, basically, and try to sell you the $5,000 thing unless it's warranted, you're working with the wrong person anyway. So just explain what your budget is. So what we found, and I'd like to hopefully provide a solution to people, is give a range, throw something at it, because the idea and the things that Elliot and Jonah and I all come up with is really driven by the amount of money we think this thing's gonna cost. So if we come in with a six-figure idea and you don't have it, we've really wasted time. So we try to land somewhere where we're like, well, what could it be? Let's take the low end, let's go a high end and let's have an idea for both ranges. And sometimes you end up meeting in the middle or somebody takes the low end and that's okay. But at least we've put an f- initial stake in the ground. But I just, to your point, I never understood why, You know, even when I was on the other end of it and and we were working with partners, transparently, this is the money we have. What sort of idea do you think can be developed from that? And Steve, I know the work that, that you do primarily on the video side. I mean, you have to come up with treatments and ideas and then only to be told, we don't have the money to do this. It's such a colossal waste of time.
0: No, it's really frustrating. And, and Jonah's point before about from, from the hiring standpoint and and asking about, you know, what's the salary for this? You might only have one, two, at, at most three interviews or three opportunities to sit down with people. From this company that you are clearly saying you're interested in working for, and if you're saving those questions, those those salary questions, those benefits questions for the last five minutes of the third interview or whatever that last interview is, that's a really shitty way of like trying to rush something, of, you know, across the finish line. So yeah, I I agree, and 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 to that point, like we've taken that same that same approach too in our industry, specifically with hiring. We don't have a a, a tremendously great starting salary and I'm upfront with people when they come in like this is what it is this is what it's locked into because it's a contractually negotiated thing if you're coming here to get to 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 get rich or do you think this is about money this isn't it like but if you want a job that's got great benefits and you have some flexibility in your schedule and there's time and there's this and you can actually have a life like this might be for you. Like, you know, so there's no surprises when we get to the end of the road because the last thing, like we were saying, you want is somebody to walk away at the end when you've invested so much time in them and they've invested so much time in you and you got to start over again.
4: And my fiance was applying for a bunch of jobs too. And they ask you, what is your salary range? That's okay.
0: That's, yeah.
4: Right. right but right. If, if, if I were the candidate and I said, what is the salary for this? And they don't tell me then it's, it feels like it'd be cast a negative view on the candidate as opposed to the employer. Um, It's a very odd sort of back and forth that, and everybody, nobody's working for free. I mean, what the hell? I mean, it's, we all know that you got to make money. It's, it's just, it's bizarre to me. And it could be a range too. You could say, listen, we're we're within this range. Let's just start the conversation. I love that, you know, Steven, you're upfront with them and at least, you know, you can, level set from the beginning so that somebody doesn't have aspirations to something that is just not there. And then you can move on. It's better for both people, right? Right. This isn't good. Let's save time, move on. If it is, let's continue and see if we can work something out.
3: Also just, just communication on why someone doesn't hire you, whether it's a potential client or, or, or job, you know, like I feel like we've had some clients that ghost us for no reason. And I kind of like, and they're not even telling us we work too high. You know, it's like, okay, like it used to be that it was okay to ask a potential employer or someone else, why, why didn't this work out? Now I feel like it, that's almost embarrassing to ask, or it's you're just going to get ghosted if you ask that. It, it should be something where you can learn from, like, rejection. And I feel like it, it's, there's no communication with that um, when it comes to – I mean, clients is a, probably a little different than, than a potential job. But even then, it's like I'd like, I'd like to be, a, be able to ask a client. Or potential client okay why did you go with this other team what you know what can we do different next time and i don't think that most clients want to hear that uh or or, you know or employers
2: it's interesting you say that because it made me think about all the years i've been a manager i've never once reviewed someone's exit interview never once wouldn't you think i'd want to know beyond the reasons of like i want a better title i want more money but like is something structurally broken here i'd love to find that out so we just do these things as like, cause we have to, but we don't actually benefit from them. It's interesting. There's no action afterwards. Think, yeah. There's nothing. I've done nothing. I've never, never reviewed one.
3: Yeah. that And that's crazy. That's crazy. That like, I feel like HR in most places doesn't do, don't do those Don't take them seriously at least. Nope. And it's like, you should, even if you let someone go, like you're saying, even if you let someone go, like you should give them the ability to learn from their mistakes. You know, and and tell them why, why it didn't work out. Social media has made us a meaner society and a more overwhelmed society.
1: My initial complaint was like, oh, people people don't respond to things, even when you write like a really thoughtful, personal email. Those can just get lost in the shuffles because so many there are people who just get so many messages that they can't, they don't have a good filtering system. But when I pan back from that i realized that like the bigger problem is that like that all of us have access to everything and everyone and you know back when my aunt was writing letters to the 49ers that was not the case like not everyone was sending you know taking the time to 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 send letters and to ask for tickets and this kind of goes back to to an episode that steve and i recorded earlier this year about as much as it's nice to have all of this free content Maybe it would be better if more things were behind paywalls so that people didn't just show up to the all-you-can-eat buffet and load up their plate with stuff that they weren't going to eat versus actually picking and choosing the quality items that they really care about and really want so that they can pay attention and to enjoy those things versus like you know all the crap that exists in in all of our feeds and all of our inboxes because I know that it, it goes both ways. We may not get um, too many emails that we can't answer them or too many DMs that we can't answer them. But like cumulatively of all the stuff that's coming our way, some days, like I know myself, even though I don't mean to, the next morning I'll be like, oh my God, I never responded to that text yesterday. And it's not because I don't love the person who sent me the text. Sometimes just like life just feels like there's too much coming at all of us. It's usually me. Yeah, usually, yeah.
2: <laughs> I know someone's experienced, explained it to me and i can't give you the explanation but why the fuck can't we mark mark an i messages unread? because i'm with you like yeah. i'll see something and go yeah, i need to, and i'll be I'll, i've sometimes looked at my i and i have something written yeah like, oh, i don't even know either <laughs> where i was going with this or man i thought i sent that but i think with email i'm way better like i'll open it i'll try to start i'll delete it i'll mark it on red i know i got to check it later but the fact and there's there's some reason with the two way that you just can't do it. There's something at the other end that wouldn't, would prevent it. But if we could figure that out, it would, it would solve a lot
0: of problems. We had somebody a couple weeks ago that we were trying to, um, to hop on the podcast for an interview and I had messaged her. We are actually connected through LinkedIn. So I had messaged her on LinkedIn and she goes, yeah, absolutely. You know, would love to do it. Um, so I said, great. Here's some times. Let us know. She wrote back, can you email me at my Gmail account? You know, instead of doing this here, sure, not a problem. So then you're, like, awkwardly, like, reintroducing yourself through Gmail because it's a different platform, even though you assume that she knows you. Nothing. Not a response back. Pointed me to Gmail to coordinate this and has not written back despite two attempts. And it's like, but I had you here. Like, <laughs> we could have just did this here. It would have been over with. But no. Like, that, that – That's not the first time that that's happened and I don't know if that's like an industry like insider move that I'm unaware of like a big-timer kind of a thing, but like I don't like it. (laughs) It's not fun.
4: You bring up a really interesting thing about more things being under a paywall. I guess I've never really thought about it and how that would maybe help. I do think it's part that I do think there's also a lack of um, personal responsibility. I know a lot of people complain about social media. But at the end of the day, you can pretty much control how much you look at that fucking phone and how much you open Twitter or Instagram, you know? And I think people are like, they're so quick to, Oh, this platform's doing it to me. Well, no, you can stop. Like Twitter to me is, I love it. I'm, I, I utilize it as a tool for information gathering acquisition, and then also obviously distribution. But if I don't, I don't read – I don't get many – now that I'm not with the Knicks, I don't get many replies <laughs> like I used to. I get a lot of hate replies, but I was in that boat. I would post stuff and leave. I would dash. I wouldn't read it, and I think it's different than the messaging thing specifically because people are just trying to be dicks. But I think the point was I had a choice at that time to say I'm not going to let this person – I have no idea who they are – ruin my day or even get involved with them in a back and forth. Sometimes I would just because I would want to and be fun. And I was bored on the team bus, but we all have a responsibility to control the platforms and the messaging and and how much we can handle at one time. Even if you're a celebrity, you know, if you devote one thing that you're doing or one element that you're going to be really good at, you do have, I think, responsibility to yourself to say, I can control all of these things and you can level change them at any time. So the, it, it is interesting, though, the paywall thing I've I've been back and forth on, you know, I, you know, for more of a news, uh, um, you know, news distribution angle of how, you know, I feel like a lot of people need access to really good news and journalism that aren't going to be able to afford it or not going to pay for it, then they're shut out. But then I'm like, well, the only way these things are going to exist <laughs> is if they are behind a paywall and maybe we get less of the clickbait stuff if it is behind the paywall so as you can see i'm clearly conflicted in my life uh
0: i'll throw one out there for uh if there's a free-for-all here um i have like a uh i have a beef this year with um and maybe this is just catching up to it but i have a beef this year with with everything taking on the term storytelling that one starts to bother me a lot um because i think there's one true definition of well i think there's a there's a there's a path to follow for something to be actually a story or that there be storytelling involved. And the one thing that had gotten me recently, um, is, uh, when, when, when sports teams release new uniforms and, and I know a lot of this is baked into what Nike is. And I know Nike has, has the contract for, for, I, I know it's at least you guys may know this better, but it's, it's the NBA, it's the NFL, it's major league baseball. So the three major sports they have they have the contract for, but it seems like every time a new team releases um, a, n- a new uniform set, um you know Nike attaches this narrative to it and attaches a story to why the uniforms are the way they are. I remember when the Rams released their new set uh, a little over a year ago. Their their road jerseys, which are not white, they're like dishwasher watercolor. They're like, but the the, the actual term is bone, and. The the story that it's Nike funny, told yeah. had something to do with like the the, the grit of the city and, and like All but right. it's not a story. Like it has it's, it's not a story. It's 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 a narrative, it's something that we're making up and attaching to it, but it's not a story. It doesn't have characters, it doesn't have a plot, doesn't have a conclusion. Like there there isn't this like element of true storytelling. And I feel like much like the term content we've taken that term storytelling and now we're applying it to like mission statements and visions. And it's like, none of those things are stories. You have an about us section on your website that might be an appropriate place for a story, right? Because it's your business. It's how you got started. It's where, you know, but a lot of those pieces that we're talking about with visions and mission state and uniforms and like there are no stories attached to them. And yet we use that term. So, ubiquitously these days that it's like that's starting to really grind on me yeah why do we think fans buy new jerseys i don't think it's because of the story that's attached (laughs) to it um i i I, that i'm pretty sure about i don't think they're reading the press release that gets that gets you know (laughs) disseminated with it but um largely probably because, you know, players come and go so quickly that if you want something that's current, yeah. and teams pretty much change their stuff every five years. And Whenever that, that period of time is up, they're usually pretty much on. I mean, unless you're a, 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 an original team or, or – but even the NBA now with, like – you know, the earned editions and the city's edition. every year has a different element to it that I feel like there's like, maybe this ties into Michelle's fashion complaint today. I don't know, but it like, it feels like there's this just need to stay on top of it. And because players change and things change that like, you feel like you got to stay on top of the latest. I don't know if it's, it's probably the same as it was when I was a kid. Like, you know, when the Knicks released their, their, you know, what was it? 96 when they, when they introduced black into the color scheme, like, yeah, I had to have it. Like I, I had to have it. Uh, Now I see some of the things that come out and I'm like, all right, they're nice, but I'm not, you know, I don't have that same itch to go get a uniform. I just think it's like, I don't think it's because of the stories, though. I don't think it's because of whatever narrative is attached to them.
2: So we got to have Steve consult on this Jersey project we're working on. I think. Is there a
0: Jersey project?
4: (laughs) Excited you are. (laughs) Steven is not allowed in the pitch for our. uh,
2: You are going to consult on it.
4: Tank it apparently. Elliot, send Steven your designs. (laughs) Hold on. on. Cancel cross out story. We gotta a narrative to the the deck that I'm preparing right now.
1: Are you you using the color bone? I think
3: it's. (laughs) No, we actually are creating a Jersey reveal. Um, yeah we're gonna have to tell that tell uh but when i
4: was at the knicks you know when when the new you know city editions and all that came out and it was very much and i I, it's interesting because it's like yeah if if the fans don't really care about the story now the the black jerseys came out this year for the knicks and people were hyped you know like elliot it harkens back to it so i don't know i don't know but yeah some of these alternate jerseys they're i mean like you're right there isn't a story it's just hey here's a new jersey buy it um but it has to be cloaked in some other story but i think for for some of these other jerseys it's at least a rhyme or reason why certain things are on the kit um especially in soccer Mm -hmm. so i think that might lend itself but i don't know i I, it it, 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 it's most likely going to be the fan is either into the player and they just want that jersey or it's new and you got to get everything that's new Um, but it might be further down the list of of an actual narrative that they're following.
3: Well, I think, you know, when we, we worked on the Jersey reveal for the Knicks, um, for their 70th season and we really dissected it, you know, we talked about every single part of it. We had like a diagram that came out and like all the things like why they use these colors, why they, you know, and, and that it was almost more like an infographic. I mean, it did tell. I don't know if it told a story but but it you know it told the behind the scenes about the jersey and i think you could do stuff like that but to yeah buzzwords and bullshit like that no like if you're going to do it tell it in a creative way you know and that's that's what we always try to do i
2: have i have the first slide based on all of steve's feedback so like we talked we, we had a focus group and listen we decided bone is out <laughs> <laughs> mission statement not happening it's not a story Here's factually what we're doing with this jersey. I love it.
0: I don't. I don't mean to. I don't mean that You know this. You know you. You know how highly we hold you guys in in, in our opinion. <laughs> so it has nothing to do with that. But like, I just feel like that term. Not even jerseys aside, we throw that term around for everything. And yeah. some things aren't stories. Like they're just not. It's it's you mm-hmm. know. It, I just feel like like content and and all of these other terms and you know I'm I'm sure there's dozens of others. It's just become this this hot button phrase that I don't necessarily narrative is feel
4: definitely one. Yeah, narrative has been thrown out quite a bit. I yeah. I find myself utilizing it too much. We um, we
3: we say those things too. We say yeah. storytelling and
4: um yeah.
3: No, but it's
4: like it, it it is almost for these companies like the iPhone can't just come out and be like, hey, dude, I know you buy a new iPhone <laughs> every year, so just you're gonna buy this and you're gonna spend a grand on. it because you're gonna do it whether we do this really expensive multi-million dollar you know commercial with a a woman crossing the street and birds flying and all these cool things that are happening (laughs) now i I want that iphone (laughs) but it's a means to an end right i don't know (laughs) but it's
0: our business so we have to keep doing it. <laughs> it it is it is part of it and to be honest like in, in it's the same thing in, in 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 my industry like you know we we do tell school district stories like but, but a lot of it is is getting to like what the district stands for and believes in if it's a if it's a, a district that believes in inclusivity and equity and like so we 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 find stories in their districts that support that i wouldn't go out there and call it like this storytelling campaign but i think amongst our our creative group yeah, that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna call it.
2: Do you think it's so watered down that it helps in the approval process, like storytelling? Oh, I, yeah, I know what that is. You know, if I if I said, hey, we created a manifesto, and you're like, well, hold on a second, what's <laughs> right. that? Okay, but Jerry McGuire. Least, but at least <laughs> if I said, hey, you know, we we uh, storytelling is is key here, and all of a sudden I have your attention. You're nodding. We get approval. Do you think I've watered it down so much that we just go with a term that that the audience
0: already knows? probably part of it it's probably comf- it's, it's a comfort thing you know that where you feel like you can actually sell somebody on something because it's something that everyone understands so there, there probably is a little bit of of that in the process i would agree with that
1: steve i'm also guessing that part of your annoyance with this has to do with like the same reason that you get mad at people when they're like oh we have to do branding it's more so it's not that you're against storytelling or the concept of of narratives but it annoys you that people just throw the word out and think that that is the same as actually doing it in a quality way.
0: Right. Yeah, that's it. It's the same. We've had conversations about, you know, people talking about their branding and and really talking about their logo. And it's like, it's not, it's not (laughs) stop using the word. Like you want a logo. (laughs) Let's just call it as it is. All right. Is there a fashion one, Michelle?
1: Oh yeah. I almost forgot about my fashion one. Last year, I was annoyed that so many females has had started normalizing wearing these giant white grandmother-looking sneakers, like with dresses, and I came up with a theory that maybe they were doing it as kind of like an FU to the patriarchy, like, you know, we've been wearing heels for all these years, now we, we just want to be comfortable and we want everyone to know about it, which I... I get and, and support that. But at the same time, why can't we also look nice? So my complaint for this year is just that I feel like what bothered me about the sneakers is now existing just in fashion for young people in general, which the, the look seems to be like, how can you make yourself look as ugly as possible? Like wear really, really big clothes, wear patterns that don't match. You know, we're really, really big like glasses.
2: <laughs> it's just. Who are you talking to? You're staring at me, Michelle. Us. Yeah.
4: Which one of the three of us did this?
1: I'm clearly not like hip. I'm not super fashion savvy, but I am a designer. So I feel like I do have a valid opinion when it comes to what looks good and what doesn't look good. At least, I don't know, at some level and just the the fashion look for young people right now is not a good look, and it needs to end.
3: Do you think it has to do with everyone uh, being stuck in their houses for a long time, so not caring what, what you look like?
1: <laughs> it could very well be that. I know that that was also something that I kind of got annoyed about during the pandemic because everyone was like, yeah, this is the past. Like, we can wear sweatpants all the time now, and that was already something that bothered me. <laughs> I think that people should treat air travel like they did in the 60s like dress nice look respectable like you're with other human beings you're not in your bedroom there has to be a difference
4: shoes have to stay on on when you're oh on the God. train yes. and when you're Please. on the plane there it is yeah. a grievance for you uh-huh. if i look to my left and see some dude with his sh- shoes off he has to be thrown off the plane it's like <laughs> covid like you just
3: you're gotta be <laughs> tossed I, I i heard someone i forgot where i heard this but some some woman said um she was late for a meeting so she didn't wear uh pants and she was in underwear and she said but said like i felt the most powerful than i've ever felt before because i was in a meeting with, i'm like what the fuck are you talking about
4: how long like, does it take to put on pants <laughs>
3: yeah i'm like like, like, like also are where are you getting about? your news you're not wearing, you're wearing underwear to a meeting and, feel powerful i'm like oh,
2: okay you okay. know jonah how we have a weekly meeting and he always
4: texts i'll be five minutes i'm thinking that's what's happening now yeah <laughs> no he's putting on pants sometimes,
3: sometimes.
4: I feel bad for you guys having to edit this one Apologize. <laughs> do we do you guys keep
3: curses in
0: there or or, or not let's <laughs> hope uh, so it's well, a little late <laughs> <way> to ask <laughs> yeah.
3: i think i'll so have to you're
0: probably not gonna yeah we'll just leave them in
3: yeah. I, I I feel like uh, by the end of this episode I'll be a grievous for you.
0: <laughs> That's the joke.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at Pod for Creatives and let us know which stood out to you.